Okay, we'll go ahead and get started because it is a little, it's past 2.45. Yes, it's on. Yes, it's on. Um, I think most of you were here this morning, but my name is Allison Fisher Lambert. Um, I have a flower farm near Bristow, Oklahoma, Slick Chick Blooms. I didn't tell people that before, but that's the name of my flower farm. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, and I sell a lot to florists in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And then I have a bouquet CSA and we do some agritourism type stuff on our farm as well. So we'll talk about that at our next class. But this class is about peonies and heirloom chrysanthemums. I won't say heirloom chrysanthemums every time. That's a mouthful. So we'll just call them mums. And I'm going to try to remember to say peonies because I always say peonies because I guess I'm from the south. But um, that, that'll be a pretty quick thing. But um, these are flowers that bloom in the shoulder seasons. We talked about this a little bit earlier in one of our classes with hardy annuals. So they, peonies bloom early in this, earlier in the spring and then the mums are in the fall, basically after your dahlias, really. Um, and that's the busiest time for event florists, especially. In the summer, their business really peters off, as well as even if you're doing bouquets and stuff, things just really slow down. People are on vacation, their kids are out of school. Most weddings and stuff are either in the spring or the fall. So with flower farming, my goal is to really get to where I'm only growing in the shoulder seasons and I can kind of not be growing when it's 110 degrees out. We talked about Oklahoma is just really hot. I realize not everybody's in Oklahoma, but um, so these are ideal for that. Um, hardy annuals we talked about earlier, and there's a lot of perennials, which is something that I'm working on building up in my farm. We don't have time to talk about all those, but we're going to talk about the peonies, peonies, and the mums are actually a perennial in in our zone and area. Okay, so peonies, are they worth the investment? Um, I would definitely say, say yes. Um, I have been just putting in, when you buy wholesale, they come in bags of about 25, I believe is what it is. So I put in like 50 or so every year. And depending on the variety, they're four or five dollars a piece for your bare root. But each stem, when you sell to a florist or even retail, a just a basic peony to a florist, the lowest I've sold them is $5 a stem. So they are, for sure, they quickly make up what you invest. They are, and, um, and it's a pretty quick turnaround, which we'll talk about here in, in a little bit. You just basically just need a full sun location with some fairly good drainage because you don't want your roots to rot. Um, and I put up their cold, a cold period. They actually do best in Alaska. They need a certain amount of cold, but there are varieties that we can grow in the south. And if you're up further north, then you can grow a lot different varieties and wider variety. But there's ones that do great here as well. So you plant bare roots in the fall. You have to order early spring. I actually just got an email 
on the way down here um, asking what my order was for next for next spring or next fall like to order yeah and tulips are the same way it's wild so you order early spring or they will all be gone if you're ordering from a wholesaler you can order online and things like that just one or two but it's the most economical way is to plant bare roots in the fall you can get potted plants in your nurseries and stuff in the spring but that's not necessarily um, the most economical way if you're really trying to turn this into a, your your farm um, so they come as bare roots and they're they almost kind of look like dahlia tubers they're just kind of sticky wild looking things um, and this is pretty much across the board what all farms that I have found this is how they plant them it's worked well for me as well um, there's two rows per bed the rows in the bed are 18 inches apart and then you plant the roots 24 inches apart in the row and you do it in a zigzag pattern so they're spread out does that make sense um, my plan is and this is also a pretty common practice is we plant in landscape fabric and then I'm going to leave my fabric there for a couple years and then I'll pull it off and just put mulch because these peonies will probably outlive me they're something that are going to live a long time so um, I'll just put mulch in once I'm just letting basically letting that fabric act as like a tarp killing off any weeds and stuff like that and when you plant into the fabric we talked about burning holes um, in the one of the earlier classes these you actually it's best to cut the fabric which is kind of a no-no but um, you cut it in an X so it doesn't fray and that way as the peonies grow they the root grows so you can just extend that hole a little bit as they grow and you're not trying to burn and you burn your plant or something like that so it's just an easy way to and they will push up through that you leave the flaps down and you just let them grow up through the through the X in the hole in the fabric um, they do take quite a bit of water to get established so make sure that you have um, some kind of drip tape or you can also you could sprinkler irrigate them as well um, they don't have a lot of disease issues sometimes late fall mine will get some like spotty leaves that I'm sure is something but you cut it off and they don't seem to really it hasn't bothered anything yet um, but the first season especially through midsummer late summer you want to make sure you're keeping them really well watered because that's when they're putting on new eyes for buds next year so the next thing I was going to talk about is disbudding which is something you hear a lot about if you're growing peonies they they uh, the textbooks tell you I guess the first three years to disbud pop off any buds that come up on your plants and that's not to cut anything just pop the buds off that is I don't do that we've talked about how I just go against the grain for everything but I listened to a lecture um, from one of the he's up in Washington State and he grows peony plants and he was like your peony plants should pay for themselves in their first season he said is unless you're just cutting all of the foliage off or something there's plenty of foliage there for them to regenerate for the next season so 
I've cut and sold all every single bud stem that I can off my plants. The only disbudding I do is the little side shoots. Some varieties have um, side shoots. I tried to find a picture. This was the best I could find. So like these little buds on the side of this, I go through and pop those off because that'll give you a bigger bloom on that variety. And it's just this Sarah Bernhardt is the variety that does that for me. So that's totally up to you. I don't, like I said, my plants are huge and I have not seen any, I don't, any reason to dis, to disbud them the first first three years you're supposed to technically pop off any but disbud everything for the first three years and let your plants get fully established but the reason you're doing that is to make sure that you're sending like everything back into the roots and not letting them bloom I when you're cutting you cut them before they open or anything like that so like, like I said, I listened to this lecture and he was like, you're not cutting that much greenery. They're going to sit there all summer using all that foliage that's still there to produce lots. And maybe I'm, I'm shorting myself a few, few blooms, but my plants, I, you can buy either two to three eye roots or three to five eye roots wholesale. I always get the three to five and uh, usually the first year I get two or three buds off each plant, which if you're selling them for four or five dollars each to your florist, you've already covered your cost because it's, they are an investment. It's definitely something to consider. So when you're harvesting, you want to cut them in the marshmallow stage, which just means that when you pinch that little bud, it feels like a marshmallow. It, it really does. It just has a little bit of give. Um, you, at least for us in the South, I go through and cut these multiple times a day. And a bud that's like totally tight in the morning may be fully open in the evening. So I go through it like morning, noon, and then in the evening a lot of times. Um, and that's what I was going to have a little side note about that. I run into some issues with like Sabbath and harvesting. Some of them blow open and those are ones that I just put into bouquets. I'll just sell them from our farm or whatever and people still love them. They aren't going to last as long. You can't store them, but they're still beautiful. And um, so when I cut, even on my really established plants, I leave as much foliage as possible so that it has as much energy to put back into the roots. Um, you can store them in a cooler in water, just clean water for about a week if they're in this like a tight bud stage. Some of these are a little bit more open. Um, you can also dry, store them dry and you can keep them, I've heard of people keeping them for like up to two months in their cooler, stored dry. They, the plant, the stem needs to be completely dry, your bud needs to be completely dry. You wrap it in craft paper and then you just store it in your cooler. When you're ready to use them or sell them to your florist, you trim the ends off and put them in water and let them rehydrate and they're good. It's, it's kind of wild. Um, still, no matter what you do, no matter what stage you cut them in, even if you get them early, it's still only going to be like a three to five day vase life. They just don't live that long out of, as a cut. They also, even on a plant, um, 
they don't last a real long time, but they have a real sentimental value for a lot of people and they will pay oodles of money for something that's going to sit on their table for like two days. <laughs> they don't care. They smell good. They're beautiful. And florists especially, a lot of brides, that's what they want in their, in their bridal bouquet. Um, so there's a lot of different varieties. You can get all different colors, mostly pinks and whites. Um, so for variety, I try to choose some that are early, mid, and late season. That's just like they respond to like temperatures and stuff differently. So that's going to um, depict when they bloom. So my earliest ones are, let's see, Kansas is like a kind of a darker pink color. I don't have a picture of it up there. That's one that I recommend everyone have. It's one of the like original varieties and it does well for everyone I think everyone loves it um, it's like a darker pink and it's really early then um, the next ones that bloom for me are the Duchess I don't know how to say these Duchess de Namur and that's the white ones and then I have the light pink which is the Sarah Bar Bernhardt those are all three varieties that I recommend everyone have they do well everywhere especially if you're in the south they'll still do well even though we don't get a lot of cold, um, there's tons and tons of varieties. So it's really just up to you. There's different, different colors of pinks and peaches. Um, there's a, one that's called Coral Charm. That's the most popular with florists, and it's also the most expensive root. Um, but they bloom fairly early as well. Um, Coral Charm. And then there's one that's called Hawaiian coral sunset or something like that and those bloomed in like April for me they were really early like they bloomed weeks before my other ones did so that was kind of nice um, and then there's they're called Ito peonies they're like a tree they're a cross between a tree and a um, herbaceous and they have a lot more color variety there's more yellows and things like that they're very expensive. I have not invested in any of them, but because they're they're fairly new as well. Um, just some little tidbits about them. You can plant them in a tunnel if you want, especially if you're like somewhere really cold and you want to get them early or for like Mother's Day or whatever. And that will, um, it's I think it's like two or three weeks earlier than what a field planted peony would be. Um, mine all bloom for me basically around Mother's Day, which works out really well because if you're not familiar, Mother's Day is actually tops Valentine's Day for flower holidays for florists. So, and really anyone. So having anything for Mother's Day is a big deal. Thankfully this year, Mother's Day is a little bit later, so they should be like right on, on target. Um, so if you want to have them earlier, if you realize that you like want to speed them up a couple weeks and have them for some Easter or something, you plant them in a tunnel. You can either, you can also like build just a little low tunnel over them, leave it open all winter so they get their cold time. And then about four weeks before your, your, uh, field planted ones would bloom, you close your tunnels and let them warm up a little earlier. 
And then you can also spread out what you have. So if you've got hundreds and you want to spread out your bloom time, honestly, I just storm dry in the cooler and then it's, they go further into the summer. But, and then the fall cleanup is fairly simple as well. You just cut back all the foliage, um, throw it out. I don't compost it just to uh, make sure I remove any kind of disease. I actually, we burn all of it, but um, whoops, there we go. That's basically all I do. And then they just sit there all winter. Mine are already sending up shoots for this spring. So that's basically peonies. If you have any questions about them, jot them down and we'll answer at the end. I got in trouble for that. So um, now we're going to talk about heirloom chrysanthemums. How many of you guys have seen these or heard about them? So quite a few of you. Good. Okay. So these are not like what you buy in the fall at the grocery store. These are cutting varieties. Um, you, and even some of them aren't tall enough for cutting, but they're in like show gardens and things like that. These are really unique and they can be very hard to find um, to get plants of. But they bloom very late in the fall. Basically for me, my dahlias are pretty much done. They bloom like almost into November for me usually. And so ideally they really need to be grown in a tunnel. Um, my first year I grew them in the field. Thankfully we had a really late first frost and so they did okay. I got most of my blooms off before. Um, but ideally they are grown in a tunnel so that you don't have to worry about losing your whole crop because you plant them in spring you don't get a crop until the fall so you want to make sure that that you're going to get those blooms off the plants um, they're day length sensitive so there's different varieties will bloom at different times so choosing when you're choosing varieties look for the early mid and late season um, sourcing source they come as cuttings they're not you can't grow them from seed at all you have to get cuttings um, these are not patented patented plants so if you have a friend that has them or whatever you can get cuttings from them the the biggest grower is king's mums and they're actually in sand springs oklahoma so i've gotten to know brian fairly well um, actually my second year ordering he sent me an email and was like i'm going to cancel your order <laughs> i was like why he so he will at the end of his season he'll give me his plants i purchase them still but that way he is so maxed out on he can't keep up with like cuttings that he orders he gets you have to basically have purchased from him before um, he's pretty much sold out for the season already so he'll give me like his big mother plants is what he calls them. And so that's how I grow them. And now I've pretty much got all the varieties I want. So I take my own cuttings and they're much easier to plant. Um, so they come as little cuttings to have a picture here in just a little bit, but you can also get them from Fairbolt growers. I believe they're in Michigan, I think. Yeah, but you have to get 25 of each variety, which can be a lot. Yeah. Um, Ball Color Link is doing a bunch of research for new cutting varieties. They're not exactly the heirloom, so they're not as big of a attraction, but um, they do have some cutting varieties now. They mostly grow for the fall potted mums like you would get at the grocery store. 
The other way is just to find a local club. There's clubs throughout the United States that grow these heirloom mums. You can get on Facebook and people are really passionate about it. So, um, but King's Mums is the biggest one. And I think he did have some availability still for later um, uh, ship shipments. So cuttings, this is kind of a blurry picture. Brian actually sent it to me. Um, but these are the cuttings. This is what it looks like when you um, get them from the supplier. And you can plant this directly into the ground or you can pot them up if you get them early enough especially. They will keep growing and you can take cuttings from your cutting. So you can buy one plant from him which it's about five or six dollars a cutting. It's a little bit pricey. Um, but if you can get them early enough in the season, you can take cuttings up until about mid-June. So you can keep cutting on that same plant and multiplying. Every time you cut the tip out or pinch it, it's going to send up two more uh, stems. So it multiplies fairly quickly. To take cuttings, um, I haven't done this quite as much because I've been just getting them from him, but I did some last year. So you save your mother plants in the fall or you get a cutting from him. You want it to be about two to three inches. That's way more. And then you remove the bottom foliage, dip it in. I do use a rooting hormone for this because um, they take a little bit longer to, to take root than a dahlia. And then um, you can either use those cubes like we talked about in the dahlia class if you were here or just like a 50 cell plug tray. Just make sure if you're using soil that it's wet before you put take your cuttings. The soil needs to be fairly wet and use like a pencil or something and to put your hole in the soil, pre-made hole. And then just you need to work quickly so that the end doesn't dry out. Dip it in your rooting hormone and put it in, in the little hole. The reason that you pre-punch a hole so that you don't wipe all that hormone off of your cutting when you put it in the soil. Then you just lightly put the soil around and just keep it moist. You don't really even water them. You can mist them, but they just need to be warm and stay humid. So these are a little bit trickier for me than dahlias. They worked well in the cubes, but I haven't quite mastered. I, I got some of them to do fairly well in the soil, but he's been coaching me because that's all he does is take cuttings. Um, so you want to make sure you plant them out when your soil is warm. There's really no rush. Um, you can keep them in pots for quite a while and keep taking cuttings on them. That's ideally what you do. Um, this is this is how we plant the huge pots that he gives us. Um, we the last pinch or cut needs to be about they say July fourth is the last time. I've done it into like mid July and they do fine since we have a pretty long growing season. Um, but after that, you just let them grow and water them basically. They basically, when you pinch them for the last time, you want to make sure you pinch them pretty low because they get really tall and it's hard to manage them because they get big buds and it's just like they are very floppy. 
So pinching them as low as you can, leave about two to three sets of leaves on each stem. So you have to go through and pinch each stem off. And those will send up, of course, two more stems. But you'll just let that grow all summer. Um, I space mine about, when I do the cuttings, about six inches apart. If you do have a bigger plant, you could spread it out a little bit more. The biggest thing is airflow for them because they um, can get kind of, the leaves will start rotting and stuff, but um, I don't have a problem with that. Support is the biggest thing. So I use the Hortanova netting um, that we talked about with the dahlias on its side. I've only done one layer, but they're usually in a tunnel kind of protected from the wind and they, they do fairly well. But like I said, some of these heirloom varieties, especially if you disbud, which we'll talk about, I mean, their blooms are huge. And if they're outside, if they get rained on or anything, they're gonna, they're gonna fall over. Um, so fertilizing them, they take quite a bit of, of fertilizer and water. They're, they're, they're very thirsty plants. Um, I just do like a balanced fertilizer. We talked about in the dahlias. I run it through with my fertigator um, through my drip irrigation about once a week or so. And you can tell if they need more. If you have a really good soil with a lot of organic matter in, in it and things like that, they'll do, they do pretty well. But um, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. I grew potted mums this last fall, this last season, and it made me very aware of how much fertilizer mums take. Like potted mums, you actually fertilize them every day. So running it through your irrigation system, but if you have good soil, you shouldn't have to fertilize them as, as much. So disbudding. Um, we talked about this a little bit with the peonies. This is kind of up to you and what your market or sales outlet is. For my florists, they want one bud. They don't necessarily want the spray of blooms. And all of the heirlooms will, well, I shouldn't say all. Most of them are, are a spray of flowers. So like this one is one that I was supposed to disbud, but I didn't. So it has like four different blooms on that one stem. Instead, if I had gone through and popped off all those side buds, it would be one bigger bloom in the middle. And that's what your florists want. I just use these for like market bouquets and stuff because it's kind of works as a filler and color. So it's really your market and how much time you want to take to go through and disbud all of these stems, which is something that not everyone has time for. The other option is um, if you want to have a more consistent spray of flowers with all the same sizes to go through and just pinch out the middle bud. And when I pinch them, you, can, you don't even have to have clippers. You can just pop it off. It's not like anything hard or anything like that. Or you just do nothing and you've got a wide variety of sizes and some florists like that too. Harvesting. Um, this is every florist's favorite heirloom mum. It's like not the most pretty color, but they really love it. Um, they need to be fully open pretty much when you harvest them. They last a long time on the plants, but they, 
they don't open up a lot. They will open, I shouldn't say they don't. They will open, but they don't really have any color when they open if they don't open on the plant. So leaving them on the plant to open as much as possible, even like even if you have a variety that's all bloomed out and you don't need all of them to make your sales for that week for your florist or whatever, just leave them there and cut them next week. They'll be fine. The blooms are, as long as you don't get an invasion of grasshoppers or whatever bug you deal with, they're fine. You can also hold them in the cooler for weeks. I, my first year growing them, um, I cut everything because we were getting ready to have a frost and it was actually like the second week in November and I had already sold all these for Thanksgiving arrangements. So yeah, I cut all of them and left them in the cooler for two weeks and then you, no one knew. I mean, they still last you 10 to 14 days in the vase. They will actually take root in your vase, kind of like a marigold. Yeah, they, they last a really long time. So that's a definitely, definitely a pro for them. Um, pricing on these is a little bit, it's a little bit challenging for florists because a lot of them aren't aware of even what an heirloom mum is. They buy mums all the time, like football mums is what they call them. The white and like what you see in the grocery store bouquets, things like that. These are not that. Um, as I said, even buying them for me, it's the cheapest I think I've got is like $4 a plug. So it's hard to, but they can buy mums for like, I, th I think they're like five or $6 a bunch. So it's, that's like 50 cents a stem and that's not practical for, for these. So it's, it's a lot about educating them. Most of them realize that like, hey, we've never seen anything like this before. Um, so, so they're excited and they'll pay, but most of them I do $2 a stem, the bigger ones. The sprays, sometimes I'll do a dollar, a dollar fifty because I didn't go through and disbud them or anything like that. Okay, so in the fall um, for these, you have a couple options depending on your area. I don't do anything. I just let them, they've perennialized for me. Um, I, I do usually dig up like one mother plant of each variety that I want to propagate and um, I'll, just in case, I usually dig up one, one of each variety and I'll just put it in my tunnel or like in my garage and they just go dormant. Um, and then about now, I pull them out and let them start warming up, water them and they start growing green. And once they start getting stems that are two or three inches tall, um, I'll start taking cuttings. Some varieties grow a lot faster. And so like right now, I have a couple varieties that probably when I get home, I'll start taking cuttings off of them. So um, that's the biggest thing is even if you want to try to perennialize them, I do recommend that you save one of each mother plant for each, they call it a mother plant. Um, for each variety. The other thing is, is I'm starting to realize my perennialized ones, they, the roots start getting, Brian from King's Mums, he told me that eventually I'll probably just have to, they start getting really woody 
and they don't take up nutrients in water like they're supposed to. I don't totally understand it, but he said that's why like you can't, they're not technically a perennial, he said. So um, for the most part this year, I'll probably be replacing a lot of mine because it was last year we watered them excessively, even though it was a drought anyway. But um, so that's one thing to note. But those mother plants, they can produce hundreds of cuttings if you let them, like one plant will. Because most of them, from one cutting in the spring, if you dig it up, it's going to be like... Um, I think it's like a two gallon pot or so. Yeah, they're like a big plant when you're in the fall when you dig them up. So you can get, you just cut the tops off and dig up. I didn't even put any potting soil with mine. It's just kind of sitting in a pot and they're, they're growing and taking off. Um, the other thing I said that Ball Color Link is coming out with quite a few new cutting varieties. They're not necessarily the heirloom. Um, they have a patent, so you can't take cuttings off of those legally. Most of these heirloom mums, though, you can take cuttings. I do not recommend selling the cuttings because um, there's, there's a couple different viruses that um, they have basically gotten rid of in mums, and one of them is white rust, but it's starting to creep back into America and so the people that grow cuttings are highly, um, they send, tests, send their stock off for testing like about once a month um, and to try to keep it out of the, out of the states because it, it will totally wipe out our heirloom mum population. So your state ag people would be really upset if you were selling the diseased cuttings. But like I said, they're starting to get more people that are selling them. They're very, they're watched very closely. But like, um, they're also coming up with ways to, um, I can't remember, Brian was telling me that they're taking the genetics of the plant and um, putting it kind of like with tomatoes, like rootstock and stuff to make them more hardy and more sturdy because some of them get pretty floppy and they can be hard to, for florists to work with. So those are just like some little things to think about. I, there's no problem with you taking your own cuttings and propagating them. It's just if you decide you want to sell them, then there's a lot more legal hoops to jump through and a lot more things to be cautious of. If you do have a disease plant, they really encourage you to um, get rid of it. Like, not compost, throw it in the trash, or send it off, have your state ag or county person come out and do testing on it. Okay, um, I think that's all I had for mums and peonies, but they are, like I said, they're really unique. We talked about like how one of the things that I really try to do is set myself apart for my florist, like grow things that they can't get at the wholesaler basically um, and this is one of those things like they a lot of there are some that they've they've seen but they will buy every stem that you you can grow and it extends your season into the fall especially if you don't want to mess with dahlias or something like that or if you are like in Oklahoma or Texas like us and want to have flowers for Thanksgiving which is another honestly a pretty big flower holiday 
So they, they can help extend your season. Are there any questions? Yes. The higher price, like the peonies or mums? Yeah. Peonies. Yeah. The mums really should be, but um, I think that's really an education thing for your florists, helping them realize that these are like not the football mums that you get at the grocery store. These yes. Are, are these called heirloom because of the fact that you can propagate them by cuttings? Uh huh. And they are like heirloom varieties that have been around a long time. Um, there, another thing that's really making a comeback, they kind of went by the wayside and were only in, um, like show gardens and things like that. Um, and like, they are making a huge comeback in the floral, floral world. And that's, that's part of the problem with sourcing is like King's mom's, he used to just grow for like show gardens, like at museums and things like that. And now he's like, I have hundreds of home gardeners that want my cuttings, but he wants to make sure that his customers that have been buying these, that use them for shows and stuff, he wants to make sure they get them before just every random person buys them. So it's, it's been a, a big deal. There's a couple other people. Um, this year, Harmony Harvest is another one that they're going to start selling cuttings. They're a big mum producer. But yeah, it's like, like Brian, he's one person. He has like one greenhouse. He's in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. <laughs> he just was never, he was not prepared for them to take off like this. Like dahlias. Once you start getting into dahlias, it's wild. Like, it's unbelievable how much people will pay for different varieties, which is, um, something else, I didn't mention this in dahlias, but you do not have to have fancy varieties to sell dahlias to florists. Like I said, they don't care. They just want white or blush or, you know, they don't care that it's called peaches and cream like a lot of gardeners and people do. I mean, they're beautiful, but they're happy with any dahlia that you bring them. So that's also something to consider. That's a tangent. Yes. Yeah, dividing peonies. Yes, you can. Um, after they've gotten really established after a few years, you can divide them yourself. I, I haven't divided mine yet, but they're, I haven't had time for one thing. But um, they say you can leave them, but if you want to propagate your own stock, you can definitely dig them up and divide them. Mm -hmm. I, have, I don't think we can grow heirloom moms up where I am. It, so how tall do they get? Um, it depends on the variety and how late you pinch. Most of them, most of mine, even though I'll pinch like middle of July, get like chest high. They get really tall. Yeah. Um, where, where did you say you were from? Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Okay. So yeah, you'd probably, you could grow them, but it would be in a tunnel, I'm sure. Yeah. Since they're such late bloomers. Yes. Coming back, the peonies, do you cut them when they're still green or do you wait for them to turn brown and fall down? Um, so cutting back in the fall? Yeah. Yeah, I wait for them to turn brown. Um, you want to give them as much time to put all of their, 
energy back into the roots, just kind of like a daffodil. If you've ever grown daffodils, letting their foliage die back on its own is ideal. Um, so yeah, I let them die back. They're green for me most of the summer. Some of my really established plants, I'll actually use the foliage for greenery and bouquets. <laughs> Probably not ideal, but I haven't known. <laughs> Again, it's, it's green when you're looking for something. And then my other question was, do you happen to know the Latin name of this heirloom chrysanthemum so that when we're ordering online or ordering catalog, we can differentiate so that someone's not slip or we don't mistake? Yeah, they are just, you just, you can basically just Google heirloom chrysanthemums. That's, that's what you're going to get. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the names of some of them, but yeah, like I said, there's only, it's King's Mums is the main place you can get them, or now Harmony Harvest. I believe they're in Ohio, maybe, but they're, they're a new getting their production started. Um, that's really... Fairball has some, that's really it. So it's not a lot of options. And that's why, besides if you can like find a local club that has them, you know, in your area, there's a lot of people like out on the West Coast and stuff that grow them and they have shows and so they will sell their cuttings as well sometimes. But yeah, it's just heirloom chrysanthemums. Where? Um, like South America. And they're usually a patented variety as well. Yes? On the mother plant, is the mother plant only good for the following year's cuttings and then you save the next year? And yeah, so I dig a new mother plant every year. Um, sometimes I'll replant the mother plant, but um, like I said, I'm finding in, after talking to Brian, the roots just get really woody. I don't know how else to describe it. But it's, and they won't like take up nutrients like they're supposed to. Um, so, and that's, he, he said, I really recommend that people don't try to perennialize them because they just don't do as well after one year. If you're really, again, if you're really trying to make this a profitable effort. <laughs> yes. So that's my question. Do you know kind of in a, a ballpark price range what the return on investment for flower farming is? It, for flower farming, okay. Um, I knew somebody was going to ask me this question. I think that depends on the work that you put in. Um, I, I was trying to kind of look at my numbers for this last year before I came because I knew someone would ask that. Um, <laughs> this last year was a really bad year for me um, because of drought and I had a baby in June. Um, so that kind of, it's not, I didn't mean that bad, but like it was, it kind of put a, I did not do as nearly as many flowers as I did the year before. So the year before, I sold um, close to $50,000 in flowers, and it's just me. Um, I don't, every once in a while, I'll have my cousins help me or something. And this last year, it was closer to 35. So, but how much have you invested? I, it, so that, the, that also depends, like, on what you want to, like if you're going to start with sunflowers and zinnias like we talked about this morning, it's going to be a quicker turnaround and you're going to make a lot more money off of it. Um, dahlias and heirloom mums and stuff, the heirloom mums have not necessarily made me a lot of profit yet <laughs> because I didn't have a tunnel. Um, they're in the tunnel now and I expect it to be way better. Um, and now that I have my own stock, 
So I'm not trying to buy in new plants because like I said, they're expensive um, to start with. And I think what they say is you're probably gonna get seven to eight blooms off of each cutting if you start, start that cutting in like March. Yeah, the sunflower, my, sun, my sunflowers have paid for my tractor. I will put, say that. But I do about 1,200 sunflowers a week. So, like I said, if, if you buy a 1,000 pack sunflower, of sunflower seeds for, it's around like $20 or so, if you get it from like that sunflower selections that I talked about, um, and you plant that, and you, even if you account for like a 30 to 40% loss, which is sometimes happens, um, and I'm able to sell every stem that I have every week, that's, I mean, even at the low end is like $500 or so of profit because it takes me an hour to start my seeds and about an hour to plant them out. But that's because I have my tractor. I can do a really light till and I can go through and just poke those sunflower plants in. Like I said, I don't, I think I said this earlier, um, I consider seeds to be babies and transplants are teenagers and I'm throwing them out in the world. Like, I don't even poke a hole to put the plant in. I just put the plant in the soil for anything. I, I, don't, I don't baby them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there is actually. It's not a great resource depending on where you're from. There is, um, I can look it up between classes, but the ASCFG is the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. They put out some pricing stuff if you're part of their um, association. And um, there's also a market report that you can find online. It's like the Boston, I'd have to find it. I don't look at it that often. It's not super accurate for our area. Um, and like right now, they're not gonna have pricing for a lot of the things that I grow. They don't hardly ever have zinnias because you don't ship them. Um, not very many people do at least. So it's honestly a lot of just figuring out your area, making friends with your florists. Like some of my florists are honestly some of my best friends now and they're happy to share like if they feel like it's a fair price. Um, but it's taken me a few years to kind of figure out pricing. Um, sunflowers is fairly easy because those are wholesale everywhere. I do charge a little bit more than they get at the wholesaler because they can use every stem that I take them. The leaves are stripped, they're ready to go, um, and they're a nice size. They don't have to worry about wiring them unless they're the white kinds. So they're happy to pay more than what they would pay at the wholesaler because they have they have to account for loss a lot of loss when they buy flowers at the wholesaler that was like my net income but I would say like when I from buying seeds and tubers and like all of my plants and stuff that did not account for any perennials because every year I like set aside some money because I'm trying to grow my perennial stock because that's what's going to give me spring and fall flowers and stuff. Um, my seeds, I'm trying to think this, I just placed my order for this coming year so for all my seeds and it was about um, $1,500. So, and that'll be everything. And that's just on one acre, 
Yeah, it's about an acre. Mm -hmm. You grow all your flowers on an acre? Yeah. It's actually like, well, it's, yeah, it's right out about an acre. Yes, we do lots of succession planning, um, like zinnias and marigolds I do every three to four weeks. I start a new group of them, um, like different colors for as the seasons progress. Um, sunflowers I do every week. You can do them every two weeks if you don't have quite as big of a market. Um, I'm trying to think. Dahlias I don't succession plant. One thing I was going to say about dahlias is I actually start, if I'm starting like tubers, I plant them late. That's another thing for the south um, so that they don't get so hot and I don't have to mess with them all summer. Well, that makes sense. But yeah. <laughs> mine got eaten up. Yeah. But like, and mums, they're pretty uh, low maintenance. Once you get them planted, I don't do anything with them. Once, especially once you're done pinching them and stuff. So yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but so, I kind of got off track. <laughs> Go ahead. So if you start a new... Yes, you'll get your mother plant off of a cutting yes. that you took from your previous mother plant. You can plant that mother plant. I think, I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. But for the most part, it's best to save a new mother plant every fall, take cuttings in the spring, and then you just take that cycle and just keep, keep going through. Yes. Okay, watering. <laughs> Yeah. Watering, you know, overhead or uh -huh. drip. I do almost everything drip. Um, there are some things they're finding that do somewhat better. Actually, we talked about it a little bit in dahlias. Um, they're finding that dahlias do better with some overhead watering. For some reason, they'll they'll take in some. Yes, I know. Isn't that wild? Uh, <laughs> Love and Fresh Flowers is, uh, she's the one that's been doing a lot of like researching this and stuff. She has almost switched to all overhead watering, which is really fascinating to me because maybe she doesn't have a powdery mildew that we do. But yeah, I actually did drip and um, sprinklers on my dahlias this year. And I feel like that was the only thing that would perk them up in the 110 drought that we had. We would run a sprinkler on them, and like it was almost instant. They looked so much better. I so I don't know if somehow they they must drink from their foliage, but yeah. So I I I do almost everything drip. It makes it easier for me to fertilize. If I if I fertilize, that's another thing. I talk about fertilizing like I like I do it consistently. Um, if you haven't realized, I'm pretty low maintenance about everything. Like I don't get, if it doesn't get fertilized, it doesn't get fertilized, but I do try. But I can run it through my drip irrigation um, and that's easier. So sprinklers may be easier to set up. I haven't done a whole lot with them besides when I worked for Luke and we did veggies, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's dependent on your area and if you're already getting a bunch of rainfall, then you're getting a bunch of, of moisture on your leaves already. So um, the only thing that I would say, there are a lot of blooms that can get damaged from water, like Lysianthus. It's, that's one I definitely use drip irrigation on, which we didn't talk anything about Lysianthus. But, um, and then like these mums, like I said, the blooms get really big and heavy. So if you are gonna sprinkler irrigate them, you 
better make sure you have them well supported. So I just choose to, it's real easy for me to lay drip irrigation and um, so I just, that's how I do it for the most part, everything. And I reuse my drip like years. The issue is flower quality, not necessarily powdery mildew or both? So I don't get too worried about powdery mildew because, because I do a lot of successions. That's one of the reasons that I do do successions because when my when things are starting to get powdery mildew, I'm done with them. I'm ready to start cutting on the next row of my like my next succession. So I don't get too excited about it, um, but flower quality I do get excited about. That's I mean that's I feel like what sets you apart when you're selling to florists especially is no damage, no bug hole like. I do not, it's got to be perfect, basically. So, my cooler. Um, I didn't talk about my cooler. So, we have laying hens, and we have about 20,000 cage-free laying hens, and we have for like the last 30 years. So, we have a huge cooler. Like, it's as big as this room. Um, yeah. So, I, I use... I, uh, my dad and uncle built me some shelves in there because I was taking over their cooler. But yeah, so I have like a little corner. Um, it's not, I don't use that much really because I, I move a lot. I don't cut it until I'm ready to sell it usually. The only thing I really ever use the cooler for is tulips in the spring and peonies um, in the spring and then the mums sometimes. A lot of times I don't even put my sunflowers in the cooler because if if you're picking them as they're just opening and then you're going to sell them within a day or two, a lot of times they'll still last like two weeks. So they're still going to get a lot of life out of them. Yes? Did I just hear you say you do tulips? Yeah. <laughs> we do, do I do tulips. Over? Yeah. That's a whole nother. What time is this class over with? <laughs> <laughs> it's over? <laughs> okay. It, we'll talk about tulips at the next one if you come in the agritourism. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.